0: Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: On this episode... On-farm research has become a powerful decision-making tool for farmers, especially when it comes to making management decisions on their own operation. On-farm research can provide meaningful information specific to your own soils, farming practices, and local conditions, allowing you to make management decisions with confidence. Christiane Catelier with the Indian Head Agricultural Research Foundation will tell us about a new project and how farmers can get involved i <laughs> Well, we all know the canola is Canada's oil. It is one of the healthiest cooking oils available with zero trans fat and the lowest amount of saturated fat of all common cooking oils. And because canola oil is so versatile and affordable, it's ideal for making a wide range of healthy foods both at home and on the commercial scale. Lynn Weaver is a registered dietitian and the market development manager at SAS Canola. She'll talk about the health benefits of canola oil and the development of a new national canola strategy. After the break, Christiane Cattellier.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: On-farm research is becoming increasingly popular. It scales up research to a level where farmers can apply it to their own operation. Christiane Catelier is the research associate with the Indian Head Agricultural Research Foundation. I spoke with Christiane following a presentation to farmers in Melfort, Saskatchewan.
0: Lots of times it's also called field-scale research, so it's basically um, research on a larger commercial scale. Um, Still hopefully following um, good scientifically valid um, methods. It's usually a lot more practical applied research compared to um, if you would think of something like small plot research.
1: And, and it could be anything from plot research to even technologies
0: and and those types of applications? Yeah, you can be looking at products. You could be looking at um, just management practices, like you could be looking at seeding rates um, or even a new technology like a new seeder or um, implement that you want to try out. So what is the ultimate goal then by
1: uh, farmers being involved in this?
0: Um There's a few different reasons you might want to do on-farm research. Um, Small plot research, usually um, you're... You're narrowing down the treatment, the the factors basically. So you're trying to like figure out um, how individual factors are responding in the field. So those results don't always translate to a, a field scale setting or commercial setting where you have so many different factors interacting with your results um, regarding weather, soil, um, all kinds of things that are affecting your results. So your those those um, results are meaningful at the small of Small plot trials and all other types of research, but um, not necessarily applicable to individual farms. So it's it's testing those um, those applications results from um, other research um, to a commercial scale um, and the other point is you if if it's something that is costly for your farm or hard difficult to implement you want to make sure that it works before you kind of adopt it on your entire farm you don't you doing a field scale trial um, is a lot smaller number of acres than um, getting a new seeder and and investing in a new seeder and using it on your entire farm Um, so it kind of is like a introduction to a new product or practice and, yeah, it's like a way to make sure um, that it's a profitable investment on your own farm. It's a test of that on your in, in conditions on your own farm. Now,
1: how, what is the challenge of doing any kind of a trial on a small scale, like at IHARF, as compared to um, going into a larger setting? So what are the challenges with that?
0: Um, well, I wouldn't say challenges so much when you're comparing to small plot research to field scale research. It's just a completely different setting. So you're we're we're um, I mean, we're a well-oiled machine when we're talking about small plot research uh, organizations like myself. There's also Northeast Agricultural Research Foundation here around here in Melfort. Um, it, it's it's uh, We don't have to deal with um, external variables as much. We have our own equipment. Um, So the challenge in, like, scaling up to the commercial scale is you are literally working with commercial farms who have their own factors that they have to deal with and that's um, there's bottlenecks of time and logistics that happen during seeding and spring and harvest um, so we have to work around that um, but I, I I think with just really good planning ahead and um, being aware of the responsibilities and how everything works on both sides of the relationship with producers and with researchers um, that helps that go a lot more smoothly and then as as producers get um involved in research more they start seeing the value of putting that time and effort in doing those trials during those very busy times. It it starts being more of a um, priority. They start to prioritize it more um, because they see the value.
1: What types of uh, projects are you looking at for 2023 growing season?
0: So we're, we've been working with the Crop Commissions um, for the projects this year That that's going to continue in the future, um, but we might have a lot more um, protocols, maybe not necessarily with the Commissions in the future, but this year with the Commissions we're working um, on four different projects, and um, that is lentil seeding rates. Um, all over the province for all of these trials um, with canola and wheat, we'll be looking at um, nitrogen-fixing biological foliars um, in nitrogen in uh, wheat and canola, and then with barley, it's likely going to be um, barley seeding rates or um, increased nitrogen rates in malt or feed barley varieties. So we're we're a little bit narrowed down this year, but hopefully that list kind of gets expanded in the future. So which um, crop
1: organizations are involved uh, for this round?
0: Yeah, this round with the lentil seeding rate, that's with the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers, uh, SPG, and then um, Sask Wheat and Sask Canola on the Wheat and Canola Barley, uh, Wheat and Canola Projects, and Sask Barley on the Barley Projects.
1: So ultimately, what does the farmer gain by participating?
0: Um, They, they get very farm-specific information on these. Topics, um, like I said, in the future we'll we're hopefully expanding that. So producers will be, farmers will be more involved in that, um, prioritizing the research topics and picking out what the protocols are going to be. Um, but if these are topics, topics of interest on your farm, um, you gain by uh, getting the answers to these questions relative to the conditions on your own farm and land Um, and then also getting the experience of doing um, on-farm research so that if if there's something in the future you want to do on your own you'll um, you'll be able to do it on your own not necessarily with research specialists Um, and just being involved in kind of this network of producers doing on-farm research and sharing the trial data with each other.
1: And there will be an opportunity once these trials are complete that they'll they'll get together and have an opportunity to learn more about the whole project?
0: Yes, I think the plan is to have a meeting in the fall with all the collaborators um, and discuss results and, you know, a little bit of everything that everyone went through this first kind of bigger year. And for our farmers that are interested, who do they get a hold of? Um you can contact the ex- the extension specialist at the four organizations I mentioned. So SASK Pulse Growers, um, SASK Barley, SASK Canola, SASK Wheat, or myself uh, directly. I'll be involved with all of these projects. Um, if if um, if you're kind of unsure of jumping in and it, you just want to kind of be part of the process, feel free to contact me to just. Talk about it all and you're not, even if you're not ready to jump in this year, just be part of the conversation going forward with this kind of program in the future.
1: Christiane Catelier is with the Indian Head Research Foundation.
0: After the break,
1: dietitian Lynn Weaver talks about the health benefits of canola oil and a new national canola strategy with the goal of sharing that good news on a larger scale
0: digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Lynn Weaver is a registered dietitian and the market development manager for SAS Canola. Lynn recently spoke to farmers about the health benefits of canola oil and a new strategy that's being developed, a collaboration between the three prairie canola groups. This is our conversation. I always think that when I hear the word fat, fat gets a bad rap, but it's really important to our diet. Maybe you could explain why fats are important.
2: Fats, we really did have a lot of misinformation in the 1990s and that was exactly when I was doing my dietetic internship. So it is interesting how we've really Been able to rethink what we are talking about From the 1990s Fat is a very important part of our diet It's actually how we absorb nutrients Such as vitamins A, D, and K It has so many functions Such as helping with our brain health, almost 60% of our brain is fat, so it's really important that we have fat in our diet, but it's also really important to make sure we're having the right types of fat, so saturated fat is the type of fat that we need to reduce in our diet, it's typically found in um, foods such as animal fats, and some of the tropical oils like coconut and palm oil. So, we want to reduce our saturated fat to being about t- less than 10% on our diet and increase the other f- and, and kind of take over that other fat would be the polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fat. And specifically what we do need to include more of is the omega-3 fats. Uh, canola oil uh, is a very versatile oil uh, so we can use it
1: in a number of ways uh, in cooking and and that type of thing so maybe give us a sense of um, how versatile it is
2: well you really it can be used for all cooking applications it doesn't have just one specific thing because it's an oil it can be used for frying so high heat frying it has a very high smoke point meaning that it doesn't burn when it gets to a high temperature so restaurants and other institutions will use it in in their fryers and it can extend um, instead of going for three days without cleaning up their fryers and replacing the fat, they can actually usually go a fourth day. It also has no flavor, so something like a stir fry, you don't want to change the flavor of the, you want to enhance the flavor of the vegetables, and that's what canola is going to do. It also is really good for baking, same thing, you wouldn't want to use a flavored oil, for example, olive oil in your banana bread, you'd want to choose something like canola that has a mild flavor. It's also less expensive, so when we're looking at other fats, when we compare it, canola oil is a great affordable choice. And
1: canola oil can be a substitute as well. So some of our favourite recipes, if we want
2: them to be healthier, we can swap canola oil in for, for others. Yeah, absolutely. So we can actually reduce when you're... We have a little handy chart, so you can actually replace 25% of a, a fat, from a solid to a liquid fat, if you choose to use canola oil. One of the tricks that I do is I love to bake. And butter can be really expensive. It's also higher in saturated fat. So sometimes in a recipe, I'll do half butter and half canola oil, especially at Christmas when I'm doing a lot of baking and butter tends to be 8 or $9 a pound, right? Um, you really don't change the flavor of that butter, and you're still getting the fat, and you're still going to have that product. There is a health claim in the U.S., for canola oil. What does that claim state? Uh, The health claim in the United States uh, states that if you choose, if you replace canola oil with a oil that's high in saturated fat, that it's going to help reduce your risk of developing heart disease. So it's a really important claim. Um, Health Canada also has a little bit of a, not necessarily a claim on canola, but it does recommending um, reducing the amount of saturated fat that we get in our diet with unsaturated fats like canola.
1: Now, you mentioned the National Canola Marketing Program that you're uh, part of now. Uh, Who is involved in this program?
2: So all three provinces, Alberta canola, Saskatchewan canola, and the Manitoba canola growers. We were all doing a really good job doing our own market development in our own provinces. But what we realized is if we could work together, we would have more... um, we would be able to do more with the amount of money that we have. So we're not getting more money, but because we're able to combine our resources, we can make those that go higher and on a larger scale. We also wanted to take a look, we really stopped and looked what we were doing, and we realized that while we were good, we want to be great. And that's what our next campaign is. And we're doing a lot of background research right now and figuring out how we're going to get there. But I trust you, in the next couple of months, you're going to see some really, really interesting um, campaigns and ads and all sorts of different things with canola that we've never done before. Uh, Fantastic, Lynn. Anything you wanted to add? Uh, Choose canola because it is... It was developed in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We didn't have a sustainable oil source prior to canola. So those researchers took this amazing um, or developed this amazing product and were able to make it healthier than any other oil. So we really need to be proud about talking about canola oil. We need to use it and we, we really need to be proud as Canadians that um, we developed it here.
1: Lynn Weaver is the Market Development Manager for SAS Canola. Here are the top agriculture stories from the week of February 13, 2023. The Alberta and federal governments announced they would extend eligibility for the 2022 Agri-Stability Program until the end of February for poultry and egg producers that were hit hard by the avian influenza outbreak. Alberta saw 1.4 million birds culled in the province across 60 farms following the first detection of the highly contagious variant of the virus in April 2022. The joint provincial federal program offers financial assistance to producers hit with disaster and a sudden downturn in revenue. The Flax Council of Canada is working with the federal government to determine the method the European Food Safety Authority is using to test for hydrocyanic acid. The EU has established new maximum levels in flax that went into effect January 1st. The acid is a health concern because it is converted to cyanide in the intestinal tract of humans. The Council is working with the Canadian government to determine what testing method is used by the EU and to answer any questions the regulatory has about Canada's flax. The flax industry has had a troubled past with EU restrictions highlighted by the Triffid incident and regulations regarding cadmium in flax. About 10,000 pigs perished in a barn fire in east-central Saskatchewan. It was owned by Olamel, and the company's vice president of production, Casey Schmidt, said there were all ages of pigs inside the facility. Employees were able to safely exit. A second barn and a feed mill located about a half a kilometre away were not damaged. A private member's bill introduced by a Bloc Québécois MP is raising eyebrows. Bill C-282 would essentially prevent any further concessions in future international trade deals when it comes to supply-managed sectors like dairy, poultry and eggs. During the Donald Trump-initiated review of the North American free trade deal a few years ago, the Americans insisted on dairy concessions to reach a final agreement. Dan Darling with the Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance said Bill C-282 would put severe limitations on Canadian negotiators to reach future trade deals. Farm Credit Canada anticipates income for Canadian grain, oil, seed and pulse producers to continue to rise in the 2023-24 season but input prices may not retreat much from their highs. The expectation is for farmer margins to be tighter, putting pressure on cash flow. Economist Lee Anderson said seeded area is a key trend to monitor in the coming months. FCC said input prices for fuel, fertilizer, chemicals and seed rose a combined 26.1% last year. The Western Grains Research Foundation created a series of 12 regional fact sheets that show the benefits of diversifying crop rotations. The Resilient Rotations Project is evaluating various crop rotations to help create more productive, sustainable and resilient cropping systems. The team evaluated six different crop rotations at three sites in Alberta, three in Saskatchewan and one in Manitoba. Data from the four-year rotations have been evaluated by region based on yield, economics and efficient use of both precipitation and nutrients. Executive Director Wayne Thompson said agronomists, weed scientists, pathologists, economists and soil health experts were involved in the project. Ottawa has renewed its funding agreement with Protein Industries Canada to the tune of $150 million. It's part of the $750 million invested in the Global Innovation Cluster program that was announced in the 2022 budget. PICS CEO Bill Gruhl said the renewed investment will support continued innovation, scale-up of companies and the commercialization of new products in Canada's plant-based food, feed and ingredient sector. During PICS' first round of funding from 2018 to 2023, they co-invested $173 million, in 55 projects. A new podcast is attempting to connect consumers with the farm. The podcast is produced by Canadian Food Focus, the consumer brand of farm and food care. And it is hosted by Clint Monchuk, who, in addition to his work with farm and food care, is involved in the family's egg-producing farm. You can find the Ask a Farmer podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. The National Farmers Union is traveling across the country to film 40 sustainable farms. Depth of Field films about farming will be short documentaries highlighting farm stories across the country. Filmmakers will talk to farmers who are playing a role in the solution to the climate crisis, highlighting their sustainable initiatives. Canadians will learn about agriculture in Canada from farmers, farm workers, producers and land stewards themselves. Ag Canada is providing the NFU with roughly $250,000 in funding for the project through the Agri-Communication Programme. The NFU will share the films online and at local screenings in collaboration with other farm organizations during the fall of winter of 2023-24.